Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbonnell.com. Great grace, peace and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. I want to speak, there's two messages on my heart, but I think I'm feeling the leading of the Lord to speak on one of them. Both of them will take two sessions each. I don't want to rush it because it's very, very important for our understanding. Okay, Joshua chapter 3 and verse 1 to 5. I want you to lock in and pay attention because my next four sessions here, two per topic, will be very prophetic for our house. It's actually preparatory to what I believe God is wanting to do. I've never been more convinced of this, like I'm convinced of this it's nothing new that you, you don't know. For many of you, it will be rehearsal of things that you know to be true, but that I want to lay out. The Lord said to me, declare it as a witness over the house. So this is still a continuation of the Grace and Righteousness series. Psalm 84 verse 11, the Lord God is a sun and shield. He gives grace and glory. No good thing does the Lord withhold from them that walk uprightly. Good things come to thee. Good things come to the upright. And so it is imperative to maintain uprightness or righteousness if you are seeking good things. If you know a result, if you know a consequence of an act, pursue the act to get the consequence. Right? So if you seek His kingdom first and His righteousness, Matthew 6.33 says, and all other things, everyone say things, now, what things? In the context of Matthew chapter 6, it's what you shall eat, what you shall drink, and what you shall wear. Because in the context there, Jesus says, Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, what you shall wear, for the Gentiles seek for these things. Everyone say things. So things in context there are things. What uh, are, are things you need to live, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, what you shall wear. They are your needs um, for sustaining life okay and to live and, and peter says god has given us everything for both life and for for godliness god has given you everything for life and for godliness but there are protocols governing how you live that god said simply if you prioritize my kingdom and my righteousness things get added that you don't seek the important thing is don't seek the things seek the kingdom your focus is not the addition. Your focus out of a passionate heart is the pursuit of the thing that is laudable and honorable. And the additions accompany your pursuit. Okay? So I don't chase money. My pursuit is not after money. My pursuit is after the things which I pursue not in lieu of getting the money. I pursue the thing for... The thing is honorable. Everyone say honorable. For example, like loving a brother. All of you must listen to my teaching that I did last week in Cape Town. I've taught it in various respects in various places. Um, in fact, you must listen to the entire, the entire series. Um, there's one, two, three, 
four sessions on kingdom finance. I did it at Peter Snayman's church, Lighthouse Church, which is the biggest church in Cape Town, in Pero at least, uh, a, ma a massive church, fathered uh, by Peter Snayman, who is a son to Dr. Sam Solon. Okay? And um, I've never felt a, a flow of the word of God in reference to the teaching on finance like it was there. Two people in our house actually phoned me and called to say that um, one person repented. I've heard this before, but now I've heard it in a different way. And I want to up my faithfulness in reference to financial obedience. Um, Sherwin called last night from Egypt and said he was in Egypt tracking every session. I've never, it never came out that way, but on Sunday I spoke about the pursuit of brotherly love. If you pursue brotherly love, you will be enriched financially. I taught that principle from various scriptures. The pursuit of a brother enriches you fi financially. Don't now, don't pursue the brother because you want to get rich. That's what I'm saying. Don't, don't pursue the thing because of its results. Pursue the thing because it's honorable and laudable and it pleases God. You see, additions just come by the way. They are benefits that are subsidiary. They're not the main thing. Don't make your providence the main thing, right? Don't make the pursuit of the money the main thing. Don't make the preoccupation with your personal welfare and the security of you and your family the main thing. Pursue other things that will make all those things happen automatically. You will see it happen reflexively as you pursue the right thing. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and what? And His righteousness and all other so things attend righteousness. Uh, God, is, God will do good things for the, for the upright. Recently, I wrote on Facebook that you must not obey God to avoid the consequences of disobedience. Don't obey Him for fear of the consequences of disobedience. Obey Him as an expression of honor. And I said this, the actual post went like this. The mature son obeys God out of a sense of honor. The immature son obeys God to avoid the consequences of disobedience. It's about motive. Why do I obey? I must not obey for fear of the outcome of not obeying. I must obey as an expression of my honor before the Lord. So I don't tithe to avoid the curse. I don't tithe because things are going to go bad. If I don't, oh no, the, the, the negative consequences of the disobedience associated with that act is not part of my thinking. I'm just saying, I just want to honor God. It's the right thing to, to do. And God takes care of all things. Okay, God does take care of all things. Now, um, say it again, good things. And um, uh, don't forget the words we've preached in times past. Like uh, Psalm 84 verse 11 is a burgeoning spirit within, uh, a verse within my spirit uh, consistently now for a while. The Lord God is a sun and shield. He gives grace and glory. Like Proverbs 4, 18, the, uh, the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter. Uh, I'm saying in, if things in your life are getting darker and darker, based on all that you're hearing, something's wrong. Every week, every month should be brighter and every should be brighter and brighter. And I want to encourage you that God is faithful if you do the right thing. He's faithful, your path will be brighter and brighter. 
Um, we took a decision to uh, uh, do some renovation in my bathroom. We wanted a new uh, bath itself. It was getting weary, cracked, etc. And we wanted a shower. We had the shower facility that just didn't activate it. And so when he gave us the quote, well, we didn't tell it to him, but we said to each other, hey, we don't have any money for it, but let's, I said, let's just bite the bullet. Just do it, okay? And we just did it. The spirit of Nike came upon me. <laughs> just do it. <laughs> we just did it. And they concluded, they just had one item to do on Monday, then the bathroom's done, but they could have been working the whole week. And um, so they, they sent the bill for about 20000 right, that had to be paid yesterday. Okay, had to be paid yesterday. And that morning, we had an offering of 20000 being paid into the account, right? And Renee was rejoicing as she usually does. And she calls all the children and she, you know, she gives them a whole lesson. You see, uh, you must trust God and whatnot, etc. Literally, we literally did not have the money. And because I knew Roland, I knew he wouldn't mind. He actually said to us, don't, don't pay me now, pay me when you want to. But I thought, no, we're people of integrity and we don't abuse brothers. Not because it's a brother in business. Must you take advantage of that? It's not going to honor you. And he was very gracious to us uh, in terms of his costing. He, he, he paid for some items himself. He said, no, he wants to do it as an expression of honor to us, etc. So uh, what I'm saying is, everyone say good things. The Lord will favor you with good things when you seek first his, his kingdom. When Dr. Siggy said to me uh, in the week, take a session now on Sunday or yesterday at the meeting, you know, I thought, my goodness gracious me. There's like no time to prepare. There's a hectic week. We're leaving for Trinidad this afternoon. Uh, this hundred and thing, there was workers in and out my house. There was a lot of dagger and everything on the go, etc. But I just said yes. Why did I say yes? I wanted to push God's purpose in my city. I'm seeking the kingdom of, of, of God first. And as I'm walking out of the building, somebody comes running out and says, and gives me an envelope full of money. He says, I just want to thank you for what you've done. Bless you. Say brighter and brighter. I want to encourage you. No man is your source. God is your source. I didn't go there for the money. I went at a great cost to push purpose, right? To fast track the purposes of the Lord in the midst of us. Amen. I was preaching at um, Cape Town last week. A businessman from Gordon's church comes to me in the break. And he said, I'm so grateful for this. Wow, I've never heard these things before. Please give me your bank account. I said, no, don't. I, I try to brush him off. Don't worry, it's fine. You know, just sow a seed here to this church. They're going to take up. No, I want to do it to you. And he gave us a substantial offering. Do we look for these things? No. What, what do we simply do? We simply obey. We simply obey the, the Lord. Don't be envious of my prosperity. The Bible says that the Lord takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. Proverbs says that. When his servants prosper, it's God's pleasure. But you are, I'm not just a servant, you are the servants of the Lord. We all are, are servants of the Lord. So sometimes when people see that God is blessing you in a certain way, they don't know the path you've walked in obedience while being tested by the Lord all along. Every act of obedience is a test from God. 
Tell someone, seek God's purpose first. I'm saying to you, if you seek the kingdom first, and in your world, everything will be added to you. Everything will be added to you. Okay, enough of that. There was just a testimony to provoke you, to encourage you that um, you do the little thing. It's like a domino effect. You obey the one thing, and there's a series of events that are catalyzed because of your initial obedience. Okay, because of your initial obedience um, to the Lord. Amen. Um, Joshua chapter 3, uh, this, this heading of this particular session within the grace through reigns through righteousness, what I want to speak about is God doing wonders. I still want to focus on God is going to do good things to the righteous man. This is simply a different framing, a different wording, but the same thing. Everyone say wonders. Okay? And I want to encourage you to expect wonders from God. It will leave you wondering. But say, wow. Who'd like a wow from God? Huh? You say, God, wow, you did that? And you heard Monty's testimony. God is doing some wow things. Listen to me. This is a word from God. God is going to wow you. Right? Leave you in a place of amazement by what He will, by what he will do in and through you. You simply do the right thing consistently. Simply do the righteous thing consistently. Don't cut corners. Don't bypass processes. One thing God has been dealing with me of recently is God clearly said this to me. Don't you interfere in the process that I have submitted your son to. He's first my son. I've just given you custody. My son, not your son. Let's get something very clear. God, I had this like conversation. Please, don't, don't think God speaks to me like this. This is what's going through my mind. That's how God talks. God's saying to me, let's get one thing cl clear. It's not my, your son. It's my son. You're the spiritual father. I'm the divine father. There's a process afoot with your son that you want to bail him out. Because it's, it's a fatherly thing in you to do. But step out of this one. Stand back. Because if you do, you're going to interfere with my process that I have submitted yours, the, my son to. It's a very hard thing to stand away and to let the thing take its course. Because if you interrupt, you will short circuit. You cannot pray for deliverance from a process that God has ordered for you. You simply have to go through it. Okay, there's no deliverance for that. No one can pray for that. There's simply certain things you have to learn as you go, as you go through the thing. And I want to encourage you, in your processing by the Lord, cooperate with Him very quickly. Simply cooperate with Him very quickly. Adjust your life, bring yourself back, back to alignment and back to obedience and see, start to see the good things that the Lord will start to, to do within your life. We, we are on the precipice of something glorious. We are on the verge of something utterly amazing. And it's going to astound us. It's going to leave us a gasp, right? In sheer amazement, awe, and wonder at what the Lord is going to do. And that's the word for today and for the next time I speak. It's a, an amazing thing, a wonderment that God wants to bring your way. And he was preparing Joshua and Israel for this. So let's read Joshua chapter 3 from verse 1 to 5. Joshua rose early in the morning. 
Everyone say early in the morning. He and all the sons of Israel out of Shittim and came to the Jordan and they lodged there before they crossed. And at the end of three days, the officers went through the midst of the camp. Everyone say three days. I will only get to three days in two weeks' time. (laughs) So there's such power locked up in this one verse right here. You cannot miss church for the next rest of your life. (laughs) Right? It's simply there's two, you miss out on an installment on something God wants to lodge. There's power in this verse. I can't get to this now before I lay the, the foundation out. Verse 3. They commanded the people saying, now this is, everyone say after three days. Right? This is all after three days, which is a process. They commanded the people saying, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, with the Levitical priests carrying it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. So you set out this movement out from a place that you've lodged for a long time. But after three days, you see the ark, you follow the ark of the covenant. Right? Verse 4. However, there shall be between you and it a distance of about 2,000 cubits. So God says, don't follow that ark too closely. Keep your distance. Uh, that for me just speaks of be careful about becoming too familiar. Right? Remember Uzzah touched the ark and he died. Right? So you followed. In that ark were three things. In the ark, the box was a golden box with the two cherubs over and their wings touching. Remember? Between the cherubs in the most holy place where that ark was positioned dwelt the glory of God. The Shekinah glory, the place above the mercy seat was the Bible says with the place God spoke from. Okay, so it was the place of God's utterance, the place of God speaking, the voice of the Lord, the presence of the Lord, the glory of God, everything bound up in this one singular term, the ark of the Lord. In the ark were three things. There was Aaron's rod that budded, remember, right, as a a memorial for the children of Israel. That speaks of divinely appointed leadership. Remember when Aaron's rod that budded. What was that? There was a contention over who should be the priestly leader. God says, why all this contention? No problem. Bring one stick from all 12 tribes. Put the dry sticks in the ark for one night. The next morning, whoever stick buds, that's my choice. They got up the next morning and it says, Aaron's rod, what it, bloomed, blossomed. Bloom, budded, and blossomed. Overnight, and bore fruit. Overnight. That was God's way of saying, the Aaronic tribe, the tribe of Levi from which he came, is the priestly tribe, authorized and legitimated for leadership. So when you see Aaron's rod in the ark that budded, it's a signature of theocratic leadership. Leadership that God has positioned in your life it would be, if, you, my, if I'm your spiritual father, it would be me to make this plain, right? It would be a leader that God has positioned in your, in your life. What else was in the ark? Mana. Everyone say mana. The manna, right? God wanted a memory to, be, to, to serve to Israel of how he fed them for 40 years in the, in the wilderness. Please remember when they crossed Jordan under Joshua's leadership to possess the land, 
Did they have manna on the other side? No, the manna stopped when? The moment they crossed, the Bible says the manna stopped. There will be a new way of God providing for his, for his people now. But God wanted a memory of how he provided for them. So he said, take some manna and keep it in the, the Ark of the Covenant. Manna is a representation of grace. Grace. Right? Food that comes to you, resource that comes to you by the word of the word of God. What else was in the ark? Copy of the tablets of the law, the Ten Commandments of Moses. That speaks of the word of God or the principles of God that regulate and order your life. Okay? So those three things were in it. And God said, keep your distance. Don't come too close. About 2,000 uh, measures or cubits, lest you become too familiar with that dimension. Watch. That dimension that is in my divinely ordained leader, the rod that, that budded. In him is vested mana, grace, which will be delivered to you through my law or my word. Right? And uh, Thomas, Pastor Thomas Naidu said recently that when you become familiar with the person God ordained in your life, too familiar, we are your friend, but keep your distance. And I don't say that in a negative way. When I say keep your distance, I don't mean don't come to my house. Please come. Right? Please come. I, told, I spoke yesterday about being too far. Scripture from Judges. We are too far from each other. We need to get, we need to get closer. Okay? I don't mean that. I mean it's a mentality of dishonor in the, the mind. You can be as close as you want to. Just don't be dishonorable in the process. Right? Don't be so familiar you forget what the person represents. Pastor Thamo laughs and jokes with us, but never in my mind do I, I allow that to disesteem him mentally. I always put him up above me in my mind. He phoned on Saturday, on, on Friday, discussing a particular matter. And you know, I always say this, whenever I talk to Pastor Thamo, I put the phone down and I felt like I could run the comrades. I felt energized, I felt built up, I felt anything come. Come what may, nothing can stop me now. I felt enthused. And I'm thinking, wow, this is not like a, this is not like a Bible study or anything. This is a normal conversation, but grace was flowing through those lines. I'm saying in the normalcy of, con of engaging and conversing, even with your Aaron's rod, <laughs> I've only become so familiar, I miss the impartation. Do you know why we started the CD project? In February, I was in Valcom. Supporting John Aid's conference like we do every single year. Pastor Tham was preaching. We sat opposite us at a dinner table. And out of the blue, we're talking. And he just said, you guys need to do a new CD. And he carried on. I didn't share nothing else in conversation that whole night. With a lot of friends and other fellow pastors talking. Only that. I didn't have any idea or inclination to do one. But that thing cajoled me. So do not become so familiar. So keep the distance. So it's very important. If you're going to experience the wonder, God says, you'll see in a moment, I'm going to amaze you, but there are certain prerequisites that I want to put in, in place before you come to this position. You must never lose your esteem and your respect for God-given God leadership. Okay? Never, ever do that. David killed. The man that came to report to him 
that Saul had died. Remember? Because that man, Saul asked him to take out his sword so Saul can fall on his sword. And that man thought he's giving David good news. That news led to the man's death. And David said, and you thought nothing about dishonoring the man of God in that way? David took his head off. We cross the line of dishonor so easily through, for example, negative speech or different, a different mindset or misrepresentation of the one whom God has placed over you. I always say this to people. You can commit many sins, but don't dishonor a leader. I think that particular error, that particular thing, is the most singular, lethal thing to impact anybody's destiny in a negative fashion. You rather err on honoring and over-honoring than to err on dishonor. It's that serious. There's something in God that riles God because little do you understand in doing it to your leader, you're actually doing it to God. Right? When Peter stood before Ananias and Sapphira, and he said this to him, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie against the Holy Ghost? Yeah? You brought the wrong offering, a misrepresentation of your offering. You're not, and he, Peter said, You are not lying to men, you are lying to God. Their failure was to see Peter as the representation of God. You think we can lie before you? We can pull the wool over your eyes. Peter said, in doing it, what he was saying, in doing it to me, you have literally done it to God. God said to Korah in the rebellion against Moses, how dare you speak against my servant Moses? It's him whom I speak face to face, and you're talking against him? You know, Don't cross that, that line. Very, very dangerous. Okay, I don't know why we went there. Not part of my speaking. Maybe, I don't know why this 2,000 cubits distance kept, <laughs> just jumped out at me. Literally, not by notes, but maybe it was the Lord. Do not come near that you might know by the way in which you shall go. So keep it before you so you can watch its movements. And the Moses, you followed Moses who had his eye on the cloud. Joshua, for you it's different. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it. Joshua 1.8. New economy for, for, for Joshua. If I were Joshua, I said, God, so hard. Give me a cloud like you gave Moses. Give me a pillar of fire. Easy. I look up, I go where it's going. God said, new season, new methodology. No cloud, no pillar, no manna. No signs and wonders for you. But I will show you a different order of wonder. You, God was saying to Joshua, you Joshua thought that was glorious. I'm going to amaze you. But I need you to follow certain different protocols. Everyone say this book. God comes, and the first thing out of God's mouth, God said to Joshua, in your leadership, this book of the law will not depart out of your mouth. Meditate therein day and night, that you might observe to do all that is written therein. For then you will make your way prosperous. And you're going to have what kind of success? It was a good success. right? I'm quoting Joshua 1 verse 8. If you don't know, right? I'll give you good success. So Joshua had to keep his eye on the word of the Lord in, in following. For you have not been this way before. Tell someone we are going where we've never gone before. Come on, say it after me. Say we are going where we've never gone before. Say we'll have what we've never had before. Tell your neighbor you're going to do what you've never done before. 
Tell someone you will own what you've never owned before. For the singles, tell someone you will marry whom you've never seen before. <laughs> so we just throw this in some encouragement for the young ladies. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. And the young men. Hallelujah. I like this. When I read this, God spoke to me. There's such principles here. I won't go there now. Um, because God, say, God is saying, I'm going to need you, Randolph, now to trust my leading more than you've ever done before because the way you are about to go is totally unfamiliar. It's not known territory. It's new jurisdiction, new operations, right? New operations. What is God saying? I'm trusting you into a new rel realm of authority, but I need you to trust me. I want to say this to all of you, no matter what level of operation you're on presently. I'm saying to the house, the sphere is about to grow. Your functionality is about to enlarge. New sets of responsibilities are about to present themselves to you, which in your own self you might think in yourself ineligible, unfit, untrained. Don't make the cut. Don't make the grade. God has to remind Joshua and the people, you've not passed this way before, so observe protocols. Your observation of the protocols will actually be the means by which you will navigate yourself or navigate through this new era, this new terrain, foreign territory. Okay? Verse 5 is where I really want to go. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Verse 6, And Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, cross over ahead of the people. And so they took up the Ark of the Covenant, and they went ahead of the people. Go back to verse 5. Like I asked you to remember Proverbs, uh, Psalm 84, verse 11, Joshua 3, 5 is going to be one of your favorite scriptures to, to memorize. Okay? Just the second part. Let's say it together. Consecrate. One, two, three. Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Come on, say it again. Consecrate yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Now, everyone say wonders. This word fascinated me. Everyone say do. Those two words cropped my attention. God's going to do wonders. God's going to do wonders, okay? Now, the word do in the Hebrew is the word asa, A-S-A-H. God said, I'm going to asa, I'm going to do wonders. Listen to what this word means when God said, I will do. Asa means to work. God is, I'm going to work wonders. It also means to labor. I'm going to labor. It also means to create from nothing. It's not there. I will, I will make it happen, God says. Right? Everyone say after me, God will make it happen. Right? God's going to make something happen. He can create something that's non-existent and bring it into your world. It also means to construct, to construct or to accomplish or to finish a process. So it's a compendium of, of meanings and nuances all locked up in one single English word, do. So the English do doesn't capture anything of these. The Hebrew language is a very rich language. And it's, it's sad that sometimes the English fails to harness the beauty and the, the full range of meanings that the word Asa has. So, P 
please, as you go this week, think like this. God is going to make it happen. My paraphrase. If I was writing this dictionary, I put it in brackets, make it happen. <laughs> right? God's going to create from nothing. God's going to work and labor. God is going to accomplish. God is going to finish a process. All those concepts in one singular word, God is going to do. I wrote in my notes this word frequently used, this Hebrew verb, conveys the central notion of performing an activity with a distinct purpose or moral obligation or goal in view. If you track it, and I've tracked it, it'll take you a day or more to track the usage. You just study the whole day to, just to understand what I've just said. We see how the word is used variously throughout the scriptures. Whenever this word is used, it's not like God is bored doing nothing and wants to astound you with a wonder. No, he's got a purpose in mind, he's got a goal in view, and there's also the sense of he's morally obligated to do it. It's like he cannot but not do it, but there's a sense from in his internal heart that he's morally obligated to do based on the fact that certain conditions have been met. And something triggers in God to meet the requirements. Now, for example, I said to you, it references God's creative activity. In Psalm 86 verse 9, I'm going to rush this quickly. Psalm 86 verse 9, this background is essential for your understanding. Okay, Psalm 86 verse 9, all nations whom you have made. The word made there is asa, do. So, it same words used. Shall come and worship you. So, it references God's creative potential. Psalm 95 verse 5, the sea is his. For it is he who made it. God made things. And the word made there is the same Hebrew word, asa, and his hands form the dry ground. Psalm 96 verse 5b, the latter part of verse 5 says, But the Lord made the heavens. When God makes something, he asas. He does it. Okay? Everyone say creative potential. Right? So God's going to create scenarios for you. Why? I said to you, it's always purpose-driven. It's always with an end goal in view. The thing created is not an end in itself. It's to demonstrate something higher than its creation. It's to point to the creator. Amen? And I want to encourage you, I really want to encourage you to um, just start to be diligent. Some of you are not even trying sewing. Right? When we were at, let me get another testimony. We were teaching last week. There was a young man of about uh, about 20 years old, I think. He sat throughout the meetings. At the end of the session on Saturday before we left, he came to me, all sparkly eyes, recently saved. He saved about two months. He says, wow, I'm learning. And you can see like a new believer. Wow, like energetic and full of love for the Lord. His Bible in his hand. And, you know, he says, I was just baptized last week, Sunday, Pastor. And he's t telling me about his struggles, etc., etc. And, uh, and he says, wow. I'm learning so much. So on the Sunday, I preached at the church. And some we, we concluded the service. There's a big church. He comes running from the back down the aisle. I had to come to step by to you. Oh, oh, I just love your ministry. I love the word. Of anything. And pastor, I already started. I sold something yesterday. So he said, I worked. I got, someone gave me 200 rand for painting a room. 
says the Lord. When I heard you, the Lord said to me, give the money away. So I went to somebody yesterday after the session, and I started to, to I, I, just, I just wanted to obey God. And I thought, wow, this is the kind of spirit we need. You hear and you obey straight away. Amen. Right? And so the Lord said to me, immediately, take out, I had 500 rand in my wallet. Take it out and give it to him as a testimony to him. So while he's telling me, I'm hearing the Lord. And he's like, totally, wow, you mean? So quickly, you know, like a new believer, like, you know, I love this. Stuff. So quickly. I said, yes. I said, now just carry on doing it. Said, yes, I think I'm on so again. That's Sunday morning, right? Sunday evening, I go to Charles's church. Charles asked me to speak to his leadership. I'll send you that teaching I did at their church on Sunday evening. Matthew taped it, and he sent the recording to me of how Moses dealt with the 70. The 70 men that supported Moses. So I'm teaching. Okay, so we were going, and the Lord said to me, Liddy and uh, Robin were there, Pastor Reggie's daughters. they there in the, and so we're chatting afterwards, etc. And they came with a friend, a friend of Ambassador, three of them. And the Lord says to me, No, bless them. So I had, I think I had about 500 rand on me. And so I gave them 200 rand each. In fact, I went, the Lord spoke to me, and I went to my bag, and they disappeared. They, were, they had to go urgently back home. So I'm looking, there's no way in sight. You know what we normally do? Oh, maybe I didn't hear God, okay. The Lord said, no. So I said, Liam, I don't know where they are. Just run to the car park, find them. So he goes and he runs after them. And then he says, oh, my dad said, I must. I get back into the car, we're going. Amos, who knows Pastor Amos? Um, we're about to take off, leave Charles's premises. And he says, Randolph, wow, I love your ministry. And I learned so much this whole weekend. And he pulls out this envelope of money. He says, I just want to bless you for your obedience. And that is, I'm not lying, that is one minute after I said to Liam, take this. He, he doesn't see this. He goes. So when he's coming back, he sees Amos talking to me through my window. And he sees Amos take the, the money out and give it to me. So he sits. So he, not Liam, really. <laughs> so Liam says, oh, reaping already, I see it. <laughs> I am saying... Don't try this. Live it. You don't try these things. Live it and see. Okay? If you create the conditions, God is morally obligated to respond. When He says, I will do it, I will create conditions, I will create uh, circumstances. And um, Amos says the Lord spoke to him that afternoon on his way to come to this meeting. You know, God, God, God is thinking, if I'm God, I'm thinking this. I'm receiving Randolph will obey my prompting to bless the girls. Little do I know what God has in store. God is waiting for an ignition factor. God is waiting for an activating, an activating factor. So I really, really want to encourage us all to create the conditions for, for something spectacular to happen. Time is gone. What I want to do just before we leave, I want to give you the Hebrew word because it looks like I'll take three sessions with this one thing because it's just the way the meeting went. Now, you're going to love the Hebrew word. Let me just give you this and then we'll dismiss. You're going to love the Hebrew word for wonders. The word is pala. Everyone say pala. P-A-L-A. The meaning is this. Watch. To do something wonderful. Say Wonderful. It also means to do something extraordinary. Say extraordinary. 
You know, when we use the word extraordinary, we don't pronounce it correctly. We say extraordinary. It should be extraordinary. But in English usage, it has grown to be used extraordinary. But if you say it out as it's written, it's extraordinary. Ordinary is one level, but extraordinary is above. So God's going to go one level above. The next nuance of this word, arelila, it means to do something difficult. Humanly impossible. To do something difficult and, listen carefully, to separate or to be distinguished. This is amazing. I won't have time for this to explain it, but lodge it into your spirit. The word means to separate or to distinguish. Specifically, to separate by a distinguishing action. So God will separate you or distinguish you by what He does for you. To separate by distinguishing. Okay? Remember what God said um, He would do to Israel as they come out of Egypt? God said, I will make a clear line between you and the Egyptians. There's going to be the separation as who is my son, my firstborn son, by with a mighty hand, I will deliver you. Now, please bear this in mind. It's, it's a wow, don't get me wrong. I'm a thankful, I'm deeply grateful, but it's a wow. But it's not like you don't, you're not grateful or you, but the, the extraordinary is becoming ordinary, if you know what I mean. You know? And it's not like you're without gratitude, but it's what you, it's how you live. Right? It's how you live. Do you remember the scene in the movie The 300 on the victory of the first encounter with the Persians? Remember the scene? Remember how they, the phalanx, the, the, the phalanx was their methodology for defense and attack? Do you remember they protected the guy on your left or your right? I can't remember. That's why that midget couldn't make the group because he would have compromised the whole group. Remember the story? Right? And he went away sad. He betrayed the guys, right? Poor fellow. I feel sorry for the guy who watched the movie. Oh, you want to fight, but you dwarf. Right, you're dwarf. No stature, no... Yeah, so... Okay. <laughs> so, so uh, remember that first battle? Major. The whole first scene, the whole first fighting scene. And remember the evening, the scene changes, and you see the guys just resting and drinking, and they're all in a good mood and, and reveling and happy, remember? And the commentator, the narrator says... But one had a different mood. Leonidas, their king. He was not happy as all the other men were. He was viewing, you see the scene where he's looking at the Persians across the Gulf and all the ships. What is he doing? In his mind preparing for the next battle. He's, he's not that he's happy, not that he's not happy by the victory. But every leader steps back from God's doing. To understand, remember I taught you, always seek to know the ways of God in the works of God. God, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to teach me through this? What are you doing, God? What are you trying to teach me? Recently, the Lord says to me, see, I will amaze you. I'll take care of you. I am your source. If you consistently push my purpose, I will take care of your provision. If you seek to, as you're doing, to be a source of empowerment and resource to nations in the earth. I do it at great cost, even to you. There's manuals there that took up the whole of yesterday afternoon to bind. Right? Why do I do that? Because my heart is to enrich the body of Christ. 
I don't do it for applause. I'm doing it to be obedient to my calling in God without any agenda. And I've been consistent in this, and I've hopefully demonstrated the consistency to you. And I'm saying to you, nobody that does anything in a consistent fashion, with purity of heart, to push God's will and purpose, especially as it would benefit others, will ever not not be rewarded by the Lord. God is no man's debtor. He will take care of you. Tell your neighbor, pala. Right? Pala must be your new favorite word for this week. Okay? Listen, let me just finish the, the nuances. Okay, just to rehearse, it means extra, well, wonderful, extraordinary, difficult. So if you're facing something difficult, it's not going to be difficult anymore. It's something that's going to distinguish you from others by how God blesses you. And let me just say this. In that moment, don't become proud. Because like I said, your breakthrough can start the process of your breakdown if you're not careful. Just remain Humble, just remain humble. It also means to astonish. It also means a miraculous thing. And it means to act marvelously. To act marvelously. One last scripture, you will see this. When in Genesis 18 and verse 14, God said to Abraham, Is there anything too difficult for the Lord? The word difficult here is palah. Is there anything to pala for the Lord? At the appointed time next year, I will return to you at this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Impossible by human account. But God, but God says, um, I am going to make it possible. Okay? If you're facing a difficult thing right now, based upon this word, I want to encourage you to next week, or, or next time we speak, I will talk about consecration. Because go back to Joshua 3 verse 5, Luke, the first requirement, the first requirement. What is the requirement? Consecrate yourself and I'm going to asapala. Right? Talk Hebrew for a change. <laughs> I'm going to asapala. I'm going to do wonders if you keep the rigor of keeping yourself pure. Being a man and woman of deep integrity, doing the right thing consistently, even to your own hurts. Rather do the right thing to your own detriment than do the wrong thing to preserve yourself. But I'm saying this to you, you're going to see God break through in an amazing way. The most difficult thing that you are facing right now, from God's perspective, is going to be the most easiest. Nothing is impossible with the Lord. And he says this to Abraham. And said, this time next year, nothing shall be too hard for me, declares the Lord. So I want you to take the restraints and the limitations of God. And all you're going to do this week, you're going to say, God, Joshua 3, 5, my meditation. Joshua 3, 5, my memory. Joshua 3, 5, and the words of my mouth. Write a song if you have to about it. Whatever, just get it into your spirit. So I'm going to live by this principle. I will consecrate, live a life of separation and consecration. To anticipate the wonderful things that God is going to do um, in my life. And this you are going to experience. I'm, ex I'm expecting God to break some difficult things. But my responsibility is simply to be pleasing to Him. Don't compromise. Every time you compromise, you take steps back. Every time you compromise, you avert and abort blessing. Every time you... You try and wheel, deal, scheme, connive, do the wrong thing. You always...
shoot yourself in the foot. I'm saying to you, the church, you'd rather do the right thing even to your own hurts than to do the wrong thing in your estimate, attempting to preserve yourself, but displeasing God in the process. Please God 100% and see how the Lord will break through for you. Amen. Just lift up your hands to the Lord. Amen. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? I'm going to amaze you. I want to do wonderful things. Wonders in the earth. Wonders in the heaven. Another, another verse says that God will do for those who fear the Lord. Psalm 118 verse 23 says, This is the Lord's doing and it's marvelous in our eyes. God's going to do these marvelous things. Marvelous things are spoken of you, O glorious city, Zion. Marvelous things. God's going to work righteousness in us to do great things for us. No good thing will He withhold from those who walk uprightly. I declare over every single one of you, in your singular life, in your family life, expect the creative capacity of God to break forth upon you. God's going to do an amazing thing, an extraordinary thing, a difficult thing. He's going to do something with an end goal in view for you. It will glorify Him. But mark my words, it will separate you and distinguish you from the rest. There's going to be distinction. If you are going to be distinguished, you must have distinctives that separate you from the rest. The Lord says He's going to shower you with certain doings. When the eyes of men, they will say, surely of you, God is with them, God is with them. God's hand is on that family. See how distinct they are by virtue of the favor that has befallen on them. I declare over you, no matter how things are difficult in your personal finances, today the Lord says to you, that struggle is over. Consistently obey me. That struggle is over. That limitation is over. In your workplace, in your industry that might be fraught with difficulty economically. The Lord says that will not be your experience. For things will be vastly different for you. I will draw a line of separation between you and them. By how I deal with you, declares the Lord, I have drawn a line. My favor is upon you. Just consecrate yourself, Joshua. The walls of Jericho about to fall in this chapter and the next. So I'm going to do an amazing thing before your eyes, something that your four, your predecessor Moses never perceived, conceived, or thought of. An amazing thing that impenetrable walls can fall in a moment. I will, do, I will amaze you. Just follow my word. Follow my leader. Follow my mana, my grace. Follow my principles, my law. Keep your distance. Don't become too familiar. Don't lose the, dis, the, the sense of honor, esteem, and respect. As you follow my word, the Lord says, see what I will do. I'm going to amaze you. This will be the Lord's doing. Psalm 118 verse 23. And it's going to be marvelous in your eyes, declares the Lord. So Father, we thank you. We bless you. We honor you. We receive this word into our spirits. We walk away with great sobriety, soberness. And we say that, let your will be done. Amaze us. Astound us. Astonish us. Leave us with jaws hanging. Leave us at gasp. Woo us and wow us, God. Here we are. We are ready. Our singular objective is not to seek these things, Father. We want to make it clear, loving Father. 
when we teach and we say and pray these things, our single highest priority is to please you, to do the right thing before you, to honor you by what we do. And all these things will simply be added. That's our prayer, Father. That's our heart. And we just thank you for what you're about to do. In Jesus' name. Say to your neighbor, is there anything to pala for the Lord? <laughs> Nothing is impossible.